Howdy folks, this is Living with a Genius. I'm your host, Omar Crook. On today's episode, we have mezzo-soprano Adriana Manfredi. She sings all over Los Angeles. Um, she sings with the LA Master Chorale, with the Los Angeles Opera, with Long Beach Camerata Singers. She also sings on tons of movie soundtracks. You've heard her voice on Wreck-It Ralph, Big Hero 6, and Frozen, just to name a few. And she's a really good friend of mine. Um, this interview is kind of, you know, it's kind of meandering, kind of wanders around. We don't really talk about anything in particular. Um, you might get to know the two of us better than you normally would, say if you read some kind of interview in a newspaper or magazine, because it's really just us talking about whatever comes up. So uh, it's a little different, and, um, you know, I've had a couple of these, and I don't know if some people like them, some people don't, but... Uh, I've I've decided to just put everything up. Everything that I do, I'm putting up, and as the show grows and as my skills improve, uh, you know, hopefully something good will happen. I mean, who knows? I might just be as good as I'll ever be right now. Well, we'll have to see. Nonetheless, Adriana Manfredi, I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening. What is that machine? It's my recorder. Is it working? Yes, it's working. All right, so tell me about uh, what were you going to say about the uh, about your English about graduating? Oh no no no, we were just talking about the commitment that it takes to complete whatever narrative we're talking about—books versus movies, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. So we were talking about the various states of unread of various books <laughs> in our house, <laughs> <laughs> or states of yet to be read in my case, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then I look at, you know, I, well, I got rid of my books for a long time ago. I really don't have many books. Okay. Anymore. And I mean, when not you say you got rid of your books, are we talking about from childhood, college, well, high I school? Kept, like, you know, I kept, uh, I kept the good earth and I kept wow. the, you know, all the, the ones that you read, you know, yeah, Pearl Buck. Yeah. I kept all the books that I read. And Did the good earth resonate with you? Yeah, I mean, being an Asian male, uh, <laughs> growing up in an agrarian society, yeah, I, I found a lot of <laughs> common ground. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it's a it's a beautiful book. Okay. I, what else did I keep? I kept uh, well. I think it's interesting. The Salinger, I, for sure. Of course. But you know, um, have you reread it lately? No. Oh, it's. I mean, it's. I will it's one. It's so teenagery. Like I mean, it's kids. almost embarrassing to read now. I, you know what? I was embarrassed as a teenager to read it. Yeah, I'm like, ooh, this, is, this is too much. Yeah. Because, of course, it's, it hits home. Anything that's awkward, it hits for a reason. Oh, yeah? Yeah, anything awkward or when you're embarrassed for somebody. Uh, yeah. You're really embarrassed for yourself. <laughs> well, it's because it hits a, a certain amount of reality, didn't I Have guess. you ever heard that? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yes, maybe. Okay. I don't know. Yes. Okay, so you reread The Salinger. Yeah. It, it's, it's, like, uh, it's like going back to a movie that you loved when you were 14. <laughs> and you're like, oh, man, I was, I was desperately... Trying um, to think about... Desperately emotional. Right. You right. Know. Okay, okay. Yeah. So did you keep any Steinbeck at all? Yeah, I mean, The Grapes of Wrath, which I think is the most important American novel ever written. Hmm. Uh, I threw away all the Hemingway, except for Old Man and the Sea, because it's short. Hmm. Um, uh, 
what else? I kept the my favorite books were the like the po- poetry anthologies. And short, I still have those. They're, yeah, on the super thin paper. Like you, you could roll a joint in the paper with yeah, the paper. The, the it's Nort- like super thin. How do you know that? Well, because I took a. S- no. I <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> and uh, uh, and then I kept the. Um, yeah, those are still in my music studio. Actually, yeah, I love I love those because I think as a musician, as a singer particularly, yeah, poetry still what you have to. Yeah, and I think the I think the um, I also think that the curation of the material. uh, I'm pretty lazy, and like I said, I'm also very particular about. I'm so lazy that I'm particular about what I read, because I'd rather not. I'd rather just relax, unless it's amazing. So then, so these books are so highly, not all of them, but the ones that I have are so beautifully curated that each each one of them is a home run. Hmm. I wouldn't go that far. I I love looking at anthologies and like examining why something is anthologized, which Mm -hmm. we actually have no idea. And you have to, I guess, I mean, but of course, like you're being made to read something, which now, of course, it's not totally different, but it's quite different. You know, I teach high school. So talking to them about what they, what they are reading. Yeah. What do you, but you're teaching music. I teach mu- music. Yeah, I teach music, but they have what's called lit literature and composition. Oh, lit and comp. And so I'm always asking them, like, okay, well, what do you have to read for like the AP tests, or you know, what do you have to read this year? What are and people reading now? Well, it's it's um, there's some of the same, but there's more modern things. Well, for instance, if you and I were freshmen in college, yeah, we would be reading the Quran just as a given. Really? Yeah, that's a part. I mean, I. Th- my understanding quite often if you're not reading it in high school you're reading it in college at the beginning of college isn't that curious yeah different world i mean we wouldn't have even thought of reading the quran not for any not for any reason it just wasn't on our radar well we would i mean i took a did you did you have comparative religions in high school Mm, no i grew up in newport beach so it was mostly about like comparative boating manuals okay okay so really i didn't learn anything in in high school there wasn't anything of any use in high school well you learned a lot well i took one i took one ap class one ap english class um mr tagami if you're listening still one of the greatest teachers of all time i mean just yeah terrific but that was really the only class of note that i took in high school do you know what my my ap english teacher's name was Hmm. amen Kane. Really? Yeah. Ooh. Not even joking. That sounds mysterious. It's like Old Testament, right? Yeah. Amon Kane. What happens if you don't turn in your homework? So you get lesions all over your body? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's an intense individual, though. Like, honestly, it's like having like, like an older Philip Seymour Hoffman yeah. teaching your, your literature class. I bet he made a big impression. Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember just being like in his class, like me, I don't know if Mr. Tagami was like this, but like you're just in the class and like you're like you go into like a, a like trance. a heightened state. Yeah. Like you're just you realize that you're actually in an altered state being yeah. in that class. You don't notice it until you're leaving until the bell rings and, and the world comes back to you. I just had this like smile on my face and he probably thought I don't know what he thought, but. <laughs> <laughs> I know what he thought. No, stop. <laughs> okay, anyway. But um but yeah, altered state of consciousness, but like on a totally intellectual level. And what's kind of a trip. Where were you in high school? 
I went to Irvine High School. Irvine. Even though you and I, strangely, well, we have all these parallels about yeah. our upbringing. We grew up very close to each we other. We grew up like blocks away from each other. Yeah. But my mother got... Irvine's a good school. It's an amazing school. It, yeah, it and still is. I went for the choir, actually. Mm-hmm. So I went to Ensign Middle School. Worst experience of my life. I went there for a week. Oh, boy. Beginning You're of so seventh, lucky. You're so lucky. Beginning of seventh grade. And you got and out. I, I went home the first day because nobody would talk to me. Why? Because I was not a chola and I was not a... Um, Surfer. Surfer Balboa girl. Yeah. I was neither. So, yeah. like, literally nobody talked to me. That's crazy. Nobody. And then I, like did my work and then the teacher was like okay well do you want to do some extra credit or just read or something like it was like not challenging and I'm not like a great student I'm not a great student but just it was just everything about it was just at a such a drifting I know it was low awful. like it was a it was a floaty bad for me it was like, like return to Thunderdome it was what it was like return to Thunderdome it was like a Mad Max movie when I was there okay I mean, people were making throwing stars and shop class, and and oh. uh, there were fights at the bike racks every day. Like, well, yeah, school. fights at the bike. Yeah, every Fran- day. Franz could say something about that. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't. So I was there for like literally a day, and I went home from that experience, and I was like, "Mom, I have, <coughs> I can't go to school here. Yeah, get me out." And yeah. she was like, "I work in Irvine. We're gonna get you to an Irvine school." And she was. She had her eye on the district for forever. So. So you you were. Like I was you like had to a, commute to Yeah, I was like, a, right. And it's interesting because they, like, quote unquote, closed the borders of the mm-hmm. district. Yeah. The year, like, if I was a year younger, I would have had to go spend senior year at Harbor High. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, because they didn't allow people to, like, do what we did yeah. starting the year after me. Harbor High was a, I mean, a milder Harbor extension High. of Ensign. Well, I've heard, but, like, people have gone on to do great things. Of course, yeah. But yeah. tons, we always, I don't know, have we ever talked about how, like, our really good friends, myself and my husband, like, including my husband, um, graduated from Back Bay. Which yeah, is, oh boy, we didn't like those people. Which is the alternative school. <laughs> oh no, I was thinking of the, uh, yeah, no, I wasn't thinking of Back Bay. I remember Back Bay. I was thinking of the other high school, Corona Del Mar High School. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, Back Bay, sure. Yeah, the alternative school, the Yeah, outliers. isn't that on Irvine, Irvine it's, Avenue? It's, uh... Yeah, it, well, it's just down the street from the Newport Riviera complex yeah. Yeah, where yeah, my yeah. grandmother lived yeah. for many years. How? Why did he get? Why? Why did he end up at Back Bay? Something what about the do? principal. Did he set something on fire? No, he made the principal. He, I think, he talked back to the principal for like the last time or whatever. I think back in those days at Newport Harbor. Yeah, he was th- at Newport. Oh. I think back in those days you didn't have to have a record per se or whatever he was basically just like that's it yeah now you need to stab somebody basically <laughs> i mean but it ended up being like the best thing for him because he didn't learn in a traditional way and huh. so i believe it was like i now he he needs to be here but it's, it's it, it was a i believe it was show up in class like once a week kind of thing and it was more of an independent study situation wow but he completely so really it was really progressive it was More wonderful for him. Yeah. yeah. So he got all A's and he graduated from there. That's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Let's start the interview now. Okay. Um, tell me, I know that you went to Oberlin. Yeah. From Orange County. How did that happen? Oh. Chart it for me. Well, um, well, like I said, I started, uh, how far I mean, did you sing in, in choir when you were yeah. little? Yeah, um, I was little. My mom put me in, 
piano because mm-hmm. she didn't want me watching too much TV. And so I did that until I was like nine. When did you start that? I'm only curious because I've got a three-year-old and I want him to stop watching TV. Ah, well, <coughs> I know it's funny. These issues don't go away, do they? No. Uh, she started me when I was three turning four. Really? But that, but I was a very, very... Gifted? Uh, no. I was like, the story about me when I was little is like you could put me in a room with a light bulb and I was fine. I was an only child. Yeah. Wait, you're an only child too, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so very like comfortable with adults. Absolutely, yeah. Right, very self-entertaining. like mm-hmm. I could look at patterns on the wall and like be interested, you know. Yeah, kind of like Emily Dickinson. Like not, <laughs> like not normal at all, but yeah. like, but like, yeah, if you're going to start her at three at piano, you're not going to start every kid, but like she'll be okay. Yeah, I'm hoping so. to do that with Will too. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all about the age, right? Yeah. And keeping the love for it going. Yeah. Yeah, Because yeah, you don't yeah. want them to just... And just having a leg up too. I mean, I didn't start studying any kind of music until I was in my 20s. And that, that was like, I mean, that was a, a round peg in a square hole. I, I mean, it was, that was hard. So interesting because you're such a natural musician. It, it was hard. I though. wouldn't guess that. I mean, I got lots of splinters. It was it was going against the grain for a long time. And you know, the problem is, is I didn't re- I didn't know how to read music. I didn't understand uh, how the difference between how it was written and how it sounded. Mm. And so when I got to university, none of those teachers know how to teach somebody like me. They have no, they, they, they've they, all they gotten have their PhD. Have no idea. How no. do you explain that? They've gotten yeah. their PhD, yeah. and they're all they're all doers from. <coughs> Age three or four That's or right. five or That's whatever. Right. So I had to go back to reading about Plato and his ideas of music and just to understand how mm. music is structured and, and, the, and how it translates from the page to the air, basically. Hmm. Interesting. Um, cool. Okay, so you played the, started playing at three. Yeah, and then um, I was a shy girl too, so my mom put me in a, a musical theater group in Irvine. Yeah. And that just kind of flowered and I still have a couple of friends from that group and uh-huh. a couple have gone on to you know be a professor and and one's just my dear friend and myself and Franz are godparents to his youngest daughter but Aww. um yeah those childhood I don't know are you still friends with people from no. like childhood no no not one wow Mm-mm. not so a single one yeah are, is there anybody you wish you that you were <coughs> that you yeah were there's one there's one I um you like lost touch with them and no like no it was much more dramatic than that we we had a falling out uh leading up to my wedding actually oh goodness yeah like f- you know f- five years ago it's so interesting like adult falling outs are so yeah like they can be as painful as like romantic breakups. yeah it was terrible like they can it's really because it, it's like you have to make an effort to be like look yeah no, and it was, it was really it's bad. It's conversational. It was really bad because I we were we lived together as roommates after high school for a long time. Okay. For like five, six years we lived okay. together. He was my best friend. We grew up on on Lido Island together. He was a oh, neighbor. neighbor. Yeah. And um, it, our wedding was small, and we didn't have a lot of money. And uh, I hadn't talked. Uh, I mean, to put it in perspective, I hadn't really talked to him at all for like five, six, seven years. Right. Um, so he was on the second wave of invites, mm-hmm. but his mom and my mom were really good friends. So his mom knew that I was getting married, obviously. Right. And when he didn't get the first round of invites, oh, he heard about it. The shit hit the fan, and my mom. Uh, I mean, it cost the 
the whole uh, the whole family just our relationship with their family fell apart. So my mom's not friends with his mom anymore. Oh, it's too bad. And it was got really nasty and you know, I really regret it because he he was a great guy and um it just yeah, it just shook out that way and it, it sucks. Yeah. You I know. can't and when then once you say when you when you say it's the nasty things or you say things that you can't really take back, it's hard to. I don't know if it takes like swallowing your pride or maybe maybe you know maybe in a few years when we're both older and he's got kids and now I've got kids and I don't know maybe. Do we'll you know like you know <coughs> of like do you have any mutual friends? Do you have any no, idea? I I I no I just totally. Uh, I think part of it too is that becoming an opera singer from from even Irvine High is different than becoming an opera singer from Newport Harbor High. Newport Harbor High was about football, tennis, and water polo. I don't even think Absolutely. we had a choir. I don't. Uh, so what I do is... I know there was drama club. Yeah, there was drama, for sure. Bronze was all about that. For sure, yeah. yeah. But music was not uh, really promoted at the school, and so what I do seems really rarefied to the people that I went to school with, and... Mm -hmm you know people who stay in town mm -hmm. do the kind of towny stuff now in newport towny stuff is basically inheriting money or or a store or something and entrepreneur opera is not part of that equation so i you know i don't really have that much in common with uh with anybody from high school even if i were in contact with them mm -hmm. you know so you went from Irvine directly to Oberlin? No, I went to OCC. In oh, yeah, me too. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Another parallel. Yeah. And how long were you at OCC? I was there just, just two years. Did you so. take singing when you were there? I Not there. Oh. I took choir uh, Golden West just down the street. So Sure. In Huntington? Yeah. Uh, in Huntington. Yeah. Yeah, but I was basically like, it's funny because I just wanted to take, Irvine was like, a really intense pressure cooker experience and all of my friends seemingly you mean academically academically yeah they're very competitive right and they're sports too they're just a very Ac competitive school yeah they're just really and everyone's really happy and everything but yeah. it's super yeah high so if pressure you're not if you're not the competitive type pardon me mm -hmm. <coughs> you're just not feeling it and yeah. so i remember um all of my friends except for one my dear friend rachel we kind of clung to each other for dear life mm -hmm. But everyone else literally got into like Harvard, yeah, Northwestern, Yale, yeah. Yale. Mm -hmm. and uh, basically spring semester junior year, I knew I was going to OCC because I failed trigonometry, and mm -hmm. I was like, "All right, that's it." I OCC wasn't a good. I was not a good student, so I, this all makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, it's like, gosh, unless you're good at everything, okay, you're gonna go to OCC because like that's just the stakes of that particular school. That's right. And so, um, and so I was cool with that. I just kind of knew that was I liked deal. OCC. I had great teachers there. I did too. Terrific. And it was a great time too. And, and now it's so interesting. Like as a teacher, back then, community college, everyone was like, oh, you're going to OCC? Oh, cool. That's really cool. And it was like, I was totally embarrassed about it. I was just like, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and you know, there was a rift. But now it's totally the... <laughs> the smart thing to do. Yeah, and it's integrated into the UC system, the Cal State system. The transfer rates are super high, and you hardly pay anything to get your under. I mean, why would you go and get your prerequisites uh, for an undergrad degree, you know, paying $50,000 a year? I, I, I mean, it's crazy. Absolutely. So now, and, it, and even now, there's gap years, you know? Yeah. So basically, OCC was like my gap 
years, yeah. basically. And then you auditioned for Oberlin? I auditioned um, for Oberlin. Why yeah. did you, first of all, did, how did you know about Oberlin? I didn't know about Oberlin probably till I met you. Really? Yeah, I mean, I didn't go to, I, I didn't pursue music and I didn't look into, I mean, I looked into music schools, but at the time uh, I just didn't take it seriously. So I wasn't willing to move my Whole self life. Yeah, to yeah, another yeah. state or something. I was like, well, I, I like this and I'm good at it. So I'm, I'm just going to stick around, maybe right. UCLA or right, whatever. Right, right, right. yeah. Um, well, uh, yeah, so Oberlin was, I I just knew about it. Did you have it. some I guidance? Like, I mean, did somebody say, hey, you should look into... Oh, just honestly, it was those uh, those posters that they had. Sure. And the counselors and everything. And they're like, oh, well, here's Oberlin. And mm-hmm. I knew it was I knew it was a liberal arts school and it was very progressive. Mm-hmm. And it was the first school to um, admit people of color in the conservatory. Huh. It was the first... It was a stop on the Underground Railroad. Mm-hmm. So it's got like a huge like civil rights... Um, you know, and well, yeah, they're going through that right now. I know all they're going through it. Oh, I guess there's going to be a show. I kind of sounds that way. I should I should set the scene here. We're yeah, at Red Cat in Disney Hall, in a little um, second story alcove where it looks like they're kind of they're keeping a bunch of broken equipment uh, and chairs that are dilapidated and. But they're comfortable. Yeah, they are comfortable. We're comfortable. We kind of... We're not like huddled in a corner or anything. I kind of feel that way a little bit though. But it's in a good way, right? I guess, yeah. I feel safe. It's not not my own personal $100,000 studio. That's just me. That's my own insecurity. (laughs) (laughs) I had nothing to say at that moment. Now, I'm going to sound really dumb, but uh, because I don't know, I just... I'm curious. Is Oberlin part of the... um, uh, part of the Lutheran school tradition, like uh, with Augustana no. and uh, Saint Olaf's and no, Westminster. But it no? was interesting. I applied to Saint Olaf too. You did, and I went out to Saint Olaf yeah. for a scholarship audition. I got a huge scholarship there for Saint Olaf. Yes, wow. I got a bigger That's scholarship. That's a hard choice. There, for, yeah. So it was between Saint Olaf and Oberlin, and so I chose Oberlin, even though it was less money offered, but it still it was totally worth it to go why is it just off the off the cuff was it because of the prestige of the Oberlin name or the or they don't specialize only in singing like St. Olaf's does at least that's the perception is that was that a reason I think Oberlin was just the dream school it was in terms of just the progressive (coughs) progressive nature of things and the how about Curtis did you look into Curtis or no Oberlin was about as far east as I looked that's it yeah it was kind of like you know, because if you grew up in California, I mean, I had never really, I had never lived out of side of California yeah. at, until that point. I yeah. mean, had, I don't know, have you ever I lived ha- outside of California? Uh, yeah, I did. Um, when I left Cal State Fullerton, I left to go to Cincinnati because the opera company had oh, hired right. me. Oh, that's right. That's uh, right. So that's I spent right. like, I don't know, eight eight months in Cincinnati, which I loved. Mm-hmm. That was the first time. I mean, when I was an infant, I lived in Mexico. Right. When I was four. When I, I was an infant, I lived in Mexico, too. Where? What? How old were you? I was, uh, my parents divorced when I was four. And uh, we came back to live with my with my grandparents who lived in Redlands. So we lived in Redlands for uh, like a year. And then we moved to Irvine. But when was, you lived in Irvine? Uh-huh. What I lived, part? I lived in... Um, uh, a place called Smoke Tree, which was a development on Jeffrey Road. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, out by the cow pastures. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And the orange groves. Yeah, which yeah, 
which it was then. Yes. It was. Yeah. There was a huge uh, cross. Jeffrey mm -hmm. was all orange groves. Mm -hmm. That's gone. Yeah. That's all. And that I think studio it's all gone. was my first piano studio. Yamaha right there. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Right by the train tracks. Yeah. Yeah. So that's we live there. Oh, my from, gosh. All yeah. the parallels. Like the more than I, I even. Six to ten. OK. But Mexico. Mexico. I lived in Ensenada because my f father's family is all from Ensenada and Mexicali. And um, I s that's where I started school. I think I was in kindergarten. And then. Um, but and how then long did you live there? Until I was four. So infancy to four. Basically. Wow. Yeah, basically. I think we moved when I was six months old, something like that. So your first language is Spanish. Was Spanish, yeah. My first language as well. Yeah. And then we m and then I was in the U.S. And then from the time I was 10 until f from the ages of 10 and 20, we lived um, in Newport because my so mom remarried. What happened with the Spanish? Well, you know, it's like uh, it atrophies like a like a muscle. For me, it's when I went to school. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's part of it, too. At least in Newport, it wasn't cool to be even no. half Mexican. No. Uh, so. No. That that probably had a lot to do with it. No well, I think we also grew up in the age of English only, where For they were sure. telling our parents, um, "No, you speak English to them because yeah, they need to learn in English." It, there was a, a definitely a broader sense of nationalism. I think, I think that's what's I think that's what's happening politically now is that there's a huge faction of people that long for those days. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm despite the other side of the coin, which was not great for people who weren't like them. Um, that was really the rule back then. I mean, everybody wore Madras shorts and polo shirts and, you know, that that's it. If you, if you weren't that, you, you were different and, uh, you know, I don't right, know. Right, which explains why I lasted about a day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you popular when you went to, when you got to Irvine? Oh. What was that like? No, I think it was, I... Honestly, there was not a popular thing. There, uh. truly, like even the football players and cheerleaders, they were off doing their own thing. But nobody was like, "Oh yeah, they're really popular." Like everyone was like, "No, they're just." God, I wish I had over that there. experience. I think as it was just like such a big school, yeah. like nobody really got to rule the school yeah. in that way. It wasn't like. And I think the parents were probably more involved with the academic aspect of Irvine High, where at, at uh, Newport Elementary, uh, Newport uh, Har Harbor. I, you know, I don't know. It was, I, I don't know. I just felt like, uh, kind of left we were all, own. yeah, just kind of cut loose. Yeah. And yeah, it's very Lord of the flies. Right. Which is its own education for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably where I honed my, um, the social part of my personality just out, out of, out of a need to survive. Right. So like, so were you popular? Uh, I wasn't unpopular. I was kind of one of those in-between kids where, you know, I knew the, I knew the popular girls and they knew me. I never really dated them. Um, I knew some of the football players and the water polo players, but I didn't go to their parties, but they were always cool to me at school. It wasn't until, um, when I came back as a junior, I had grown like a foot that summer <laughs> and I put on like 50 pounds of muscle. And then I came back and I, I became more. I was like the real, the most popular, unpopular person. Okay. It was just kind of do. It's like being the world's tallest midget, I guess, but well. it's kind of a dubious uh, distinction. Okay. Yeah. I didn't have a sense of popularity at all. I just knew that I liked to be in choir. Uh huh. And so choir friends were just kind of where it was at. Right. Yeah. 
and that didn't change. True. <laughs> well, actually, you know, it completely changed because I don't know. What do you think? Do you think I have a lot of singer friends or not that many? Well, I, because I don't sing in the master chorale yet. Um, <laughs> I don't see that part of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think most of your friends are singer friends, aren't they? That I can, that I have noticed. Well, it's interesting because we mostly hang out in singer world. Yeah, I guess. Actually, that's why. we ex- almost exclusively hang out in singer world. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. Well, um, it did not occur to me to to like do this whole social world of like where social world meets singer world. Yeah. Like that was very like. Um, Near the twain shall meet. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I was just, like, super comfortable to observe it for, like, many, many, many years. Uh-huh. You still and have that. I, st- I still see that. Like, you are de- definitely a one-on-one person. Yes. What, what's that about? I think, it's about? I think it's the only child. Yeah, you don't like to compete for um, somebody's attention. And I don't mean that in the way, in, like, a... I mean, just socially, just socially, you're definitely, at least to me, seem to be like a one-on-one person. Yeah, I would say that. I would say that. Yeah, so um, so getting into singer world, of course, it's its own fabulous thing. But then you see like the social dynamics going on. Yeah. And I just like can't, ju- I did not jump in naturally. Yeah. And then there were a few years there where I was like, I saw people that were like obviously really good friends. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, I'm like not really good friends with anyone here. What about at Oberlin? Oh, yeah. You made you made lots of friends. Yeah, but not in the conservatory. Because the conservatory was, it's like the job part of being there, right? The conservatory huh. is like a, like, a, like a music factory, right? Right. And it's very, um, it's very. It's a machine that just keeps cranking. It's the ivory tower. Yeah. 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 And it's wonderful and you're there for a reason, but. It could chew you up too. It is absolutely, mm-hmm. and you need to leave it mm-hmm. when you're done. Uh huh. When you're, or at least I did. Now, did you know your husband before you went to Oberlin? Did we, you? We met at OCC. Actually, we met about. You did. We met about two weeks before finals. Before you were semester, set to go. Before I was set to go, our first date at the Gypsy Den. Uh, oh sure, yeah. Oh yeah, that was uh, happened earlier. I had sent in my letter to Oberlin saying. I'm yes. going. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so he was like, okay, now tell me you are going away in a few months. And I was like, yes. And he's like, you're going away to Idaho or Ohio. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Ohio. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay. All right. And then we just kept talking and, you know. Really? Yeah. So that was, that was the first date, which lasted. He had made me like a couple mixtapes because he was a DJ at the time. Uh-huh. And a raver. Yeah. He was a raver. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Are you kidding? Well, like, come on. (laughs) (laughs) If I had, if I was more like outward, I totally would have like, or if I had a friend who like was like, drag you along, let's go to a rave. I'd be so into that. But I never went to a rave. Did you? No, I've never done that. I've never done ecstasy either. But no, me neither. Yeah. So I'm, that's just not part of my culture. No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but does it sound like it would be fun? Like if you like had a friend that you're like, not the ecstasy part, but the rave part. Cause I, I think you can go to raves and not do ecstasy. I don't know. I don't think the, it's a given. I think there, I have a, uh, one of the parts of my personality that I'm not too keen on, but is there is present. It's kind of a snobbery in a way. Mm. 
And so, so you're examining that. Uh, uh, no, I wouldn't go that far. But, I, you know, but I've I've noticed it. And I think that's the type of thing that would keep me away from a rave. It's just a li- it's like, oh, no, it's not really my it's not really my bag. So like what about Coachella? Have you been to Coachella? No, no, absolutely not. And is it the same? Yeah, it's the same. You know, it's a dirt and f- barefootedness. And <laughs> right, yeah, right, right. No, no, it's not my that's not my thing. Okay. I, it's fine. I mean, you know, it's great if you want to go sell, you know. Uh, what about Burning Man? No. Yeah, no. Okay. What no. about, um, like, if they had some awesome music festival in, like, Big Sur? I do like Big Sur. Uh, it's really weird because I, it's funny that I ended up in the music business because I've only been to a handful of concerts in my entire life. Um the first concert I went to, I was in high school. Okay, that's I went a good with, conversation. Yeah, I went m- with my friend Jeremy Leach, and he and I went to see, um, oh, it was an Amnesty International concert at... Oh, uh, nice. Uh, Irvine Meadows? No, right right in town there at the fairgrounds. Oh, Pacific Amphitheater. Pacific Amphitheater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was... Um, uh, you know they're closing Irvine Meadows. Did you hear about that? They are? Yeah. Why, what, what are they doing? I don't know. That's all I heard. Huh. I used to sing there when I was in college. You know, we do like a Carmina Burana every season or something. Do you remember when it used to be Lion Country Safari? Yeah, I love Lion Country Safari. I know. They would never. They could never get away with that now. Uh, well, they have the wild animal park down in San Diego. It's not like... It wasn't... It's not like uh, Lion Country Safari, though, is it? Where you, like an, a lion could eat your arm off if you roll the window down? I think... Well, I, I've never been to the Wild Animal Park. There's a story why Lion Country Safari closed down, and I want to know what that story is. Well, do you is. remember Bubbles, the, um, the hippopotamus that escaped? No. Oh, it made all. It was in the news constantly. They and they're like aggressive too, right? Yeah. Oh, hippos are really dangerous. Hmm. Yeah, and they were on the hunt for it for a long like time. a week. Okay. And it was just roaming around. I think it finally rolled down a hill and died or something. Oh, my God. Well, they're not light on their feet. No. Um, but, yeah, that was. I think that was towards the end of Lion Country Safari. So they were like, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Oh, wow. We just can't have African animals roaming around the countryside. Isn't it amazing, though, that like we had that experience? Yeah. Because you're right. Bygone era. Yeah, no, you couldn't. You just couldn't Once do that it now. closes, it doesn't come back. That's it. Well, and it was, uh, you know, it was owned, obviously, by the Irvine family. And they. that's just that's a huge piece of land that they've developed and you know made lots of because the Irvine family needs more money yeah Yeah, so they uh, you know they just cashed in like Hmm. all the other knuckleheads we got to bring back Lion Country Safari (laughs) for our kids (laughs) are you kidding yeah that's that's another thing love that jeez my kids are they are Lion Country Safari they're like why is it so hard to replicate my childhood and your childhood for our kids what's happened i remember when i was i I mean i wasn't three obviously i mean my son's too young but by the time i was i don't know by the time i was six okay i would be i would leave i would go out and play all day in the neighborhood Mm -hmm. and come back with, with at sundown right i mean we would catch frogs we would ride dirt bikes we would you know get in trouble right build forts i can't it seems like uh there isn't the facility to do that for our kids anymore do you know what how do you do it 
Okay, so we went to this birthday party yesterday. Yeah. And it was a Mexican birthday party. Okay. The boy, actually, we know because a group of us did like a sponsorship thing during the holidays where we like... Like they're a, 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 like a charity type thing? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a group called Harbor Regional Center uh-huh. that, um, that assists. It's basically like it was started by the Kennedy, the Shriver yeah. family. Mm-hmm. Um, we're so lucky in California to have this organization. It's through the government. Mm-hmm. Any child who's a special needs child is a, is, um, uh, is a client wow. of, the, of the regional center. Uh-huh. Right? You know about the regional center because that the San Bernardino thing. Mm-hmm. That was that regional center. Uh-huh. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure. So they're all over the state. So anyway, so the regional center has like a like a sponsor sponsor family thing. Mm-hmm. And so a group of us sponsored this family. Well, the family invited us to uh, his birthday party. He just turned 13. When was this? This was yesterday. Oh, wow. So okay. we went. Yeah. And of course, like we don't know anyone except for and we've um, the boys have gone and played at the park with um, with his, his name's Raymond. Uh-huh. And so um, and he has autism. Uh-huh. Like my like my oldest Giovanni uh-huh. Uh-huh. and um, anyway so so we went to this party not knowing what to expect mm-hmm. and it was I've only been to one other party like this it was an apartment uh-huh. in North Long Beach so that's all we knew about it mm-hmm. and we roll up and it's in the back and there's like the huge shade covering and the tables are set up mm-hmm. and there's like the biggest sound system you've ever <laughs> <laughs> And the tunes are like blasting and the the taquero is out and it's it's actually Raymond's dad is uh-huh. the, the taquero. So he's like, what do you want? And it's like all the millions of like salsa, the, wow. the, like just. That sounds great. Oh, yeah. And so so my boys being the, you know, connoisseurs of food that they are, mm-hmm. are like they dive in and it's like, you know, huge taco plates and like piles of like rice and beans. And they're just like. Honestly, like I, I brought a tear to my eye because it really made me like feel like my dad was with us, yeah, you know, yeah, just yeah. like just he would have been so happy to just see them taking this all in. Yeah. So then I'm kind of like noticing, um, you know, it was like a very super well done party mm-hmm. just in the back of this apartment complex. Yeah. And there's like an alley in the back, just super simple. And we're just like loving it. We're just like, this is awesome. The whole thing was Ninja Turtles, you know, like it was just all over the place so then there's like kids and I'm sitting here like what what's gonna happen like what you know because yeah. of course like the parties that you and I go to there's like something to do for the children yeah something exactly. something is provided for yeah. the children to do and then somebody always takes up the um, banner of being the the one that watches all the kids and right you know we have one of those friends his name's Paige amazing guy he and his wife are both teachers and they they they're always the first to be like, oh, no, you guys, we're, we'll, we'll watch the kids. We don't mind watching the kids. Right. So what happened is the, the kids took off and myself and Franz were like, okay, we're just going to sit here and eat and chill out. And your kids took off too. Yeah. Everybody did. Yeah. Huh. And Raymond, who is amazing, he normally was like super reticent to talk. and said so he was like talking. So that brought like a, you know, that warmed the heart to just see him really interacting with, yeah. with his extended family. And then uh, we... So we noticed that actually what they're doing is they're like playing in the alley. And so we kind of go back there and like peek because yeah. it's like we don't we know that like if the grown ups show up, it's going to change. Yeah. 
So we kind of we kind peek of peek the back there, uh-huh. and they're playing tag in the alley, and it's just like the most like. So kids are doing that still. Kids are doing that, but you know, uh, not. You mean the poor, the poor kids are doing that? Well, I wouldn't say they're. Uh, again, I don't know who's poor and who's not. Right. But it's a different situation that of birthday parties. I mean, I say that tongue in cheek, to. obviously. But I right. mean, uh, in our friends. Yeah, if I'm going to make huge generalizations, like, okay, yeah, uh, yeah. I, we, uh, yeah, for some reason, it, and they just sat we're there, just like, terrified making of their doing own that fun. Now. Yeah, yeah they, they were totally just making their own fun, and to me, that was so beautiful because. Yeah. I mean, there was really no open space to yeah. do and much of anything. I mean, it was and it's like, an alley where cars can drive down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're just sitting there, like totally playing hide and seek and yeah. tag and tag backs and like just making their own fun. Yeah, like the whole time. Like the kids were, my kids were entertained, and it's so funny because if you, the you know the birthday parties they're used to is like where there's like an entertainment or right. there's like right. an activity or exactly. a craft. Everybody gets a bag with toys and candy in it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And this was like, we're going to feed you. Like, you're going to have, like, bouncing the tunes on the way home. Yeah. And the adults are going to sit and chill, and the kids are going to, like, run amok in the alley. Uh, Yeah. uh, Maybe part of it is also, uh, you know, I grew up in the 70s, and it seemed like cul-de-sacs were the the thing in the 70s. And we lived on a cul-de-sac. Right. And where where our house is now, it's, you know, it's on a busy intersect. I mean, not an inner, it's a, it's a, it's a neighborhood, right? but it's busy. Like there are cars on the street. You know, we live on a corner with two, with streets. So do you see kids playing ever? No, not really. I mean, I see families walking like with their dogs and stuff, but we have a, we have a park at the top of the hill, but it's, it's like a rubberized track and people are usually jogging and, Mm. No, I, I don't really see. And maybe maybe also it's um, <coughs> just the demographic of my neighborhood. It's m- it's m- they're mostly older people. And, you know, maybe there just aren't that many families. Um, but I remember I'm going to have to ask my mom. I mean, maybe they chose a neighborhood that I grew up in because of all the kids and give me something to do. I'm, I'm, I'm really not sure. Well, someone had a theory about this. Hmm way back when and it kind of sounded right it's now there's something called megan's list where you can look it up on the computer oh with uh molesters well you can see where everyone lives yeah and it's yeah that's funny because there was a guy in our neighborhood on Lido island and all the moms would say yeah don't go over to that guy's house oh wow and he would like always invite all the kids over Oh wow! Yeah. So did you did you know some of the kids that went over to his house? Yeah, I mean nothing was ever. There was never like a scandal about somebody, you know, drowning or being molested or anything. It was just it's like all the the parent, the, you know, they had their own Megan's list at the time. I guess you know he's the guy. He's like the guy. Every neighborhood has the the weird guy that likes the kids. At least huh. when I was growing up. Interesting. And it was thought of kind of in the terms that I'm describing, and it was just like, oh yeah, that guy. You know, I don't try. I don't like him. Let's just stay away from. But it was more word of mouth. Totally. So did kids I mean, this go was in the over? 80s. Did kids go over even I though they I think like big groups of kids would come over because he, li- he lived on the, he lived on the water. He had a oh. nice big dock and stuff. And so people would go and the kids would go swimming mm. you know, and jump off the dock and stuff. But interesting. You know, I think everybody, you didn't have a guy in your neighborhood where your mom's like, yeah, don't go over to, don't go um, over there. I had like a weird, uh, 
there were a couple neighbor kids that I played with, but uh-huh. we kind of just played at each other's houses. Uh-huh. And we would walk like to the corner store uh-huh. and like get a drink of something and then walk back. But we didn't really like run around and play outside. I mean, it was with suburban Huntington Beach that I grew that I actually grew up in at age six. I see. We moved to Huntington Beach from six until 11. Uh-huh. And then we moved back to Costa Mesa. Where yeah. in Huntington Beach? Uh, it's on Geneva. It's right by, right by Beach in Indianapolis. Uh-huh. It's like I don't uh-huh. know. It's a couple couple blocks down from Beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Beach about a couple blocks it's in. It's funny because when I moved out of the house for the first time, I was seventeen, and I moved to Huntington Beach. Omar. Yeah, isn't that weird? What's Off up? Of Be- beach and closer to Edinger, you know, like far, pretty far away from the beach. Like it was a really just a really crappy, crappy place. I remember the landlord was defrauding the government because he'd he'd wear he'd wear this um, like back brace because mm. he knew that there was a private investigator taking pictures of him because he was on disability, but he was in no way disabled. Like he he just he did all sorts of things, but he every time he'd go out of the house he'd like limp around. But he knew he was being watched. Yeah, so he'd put on this back brace and and he he talked to us openly about how you know oh I've got to put I've got to if you ever see anybody with a camera you should let me know and. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. That's crazy. And he was the manager of this this shit place. It was just terrible. That's crazy that you remember that. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, you live for the first time away from the house and I I I don't know. I was a mess. My grandfather died when I was 14 and and, and that, he was incredibly and He was important. like d- yeah. yeah, so for like we 10 years, this. for 10 years I was just a wreck until I found music basically. Music really turned me around. Wow. And I found that at Santa Monica College. That's great. So that was your, that was the place. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I had this teacher that took me under her wing and I got the scholarship. She set up an audition. I got the scholarship through the state of California and, Mm. um, you know, and then all the teachers kind of rallied around me to try and catch me up and get me into a better school. Mm. And then when I went to audition, you know, I I got a great scholarship from UCLA um, you know, that's the one school I didn't <coughs> get into. Yeah, I, I turned them down, which, and that, oh boy, that made them furious. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I actually had a great audition that day. But it was funny. I got into every place, including like Oberlin. Yeah. And UCLA's like, nope. Yeah, so. I wish I'd oh, taken well. it more seriously. I, I probably, I mean, in retrospect, and I hope to give this to my son, the kind of, um, you know, it's always in retrospect that you mm-hmm. see in the rearview mirror that you see you should have done something else. I, I should have gone to a place like Oberlin or Curtis or Juilliard or I, sh- I should have at least tried to get into those schools. But at the time, I just didn't take it seriously. And I've, I was, wasn't a great student. And I just had this this talent, you know. Right. And now thinking back, I thought, oh, I really had some opportunities that I should have taken. I think time. when like you're on a path and you're just going and just these options are presented to you like you said okay who who talked to you about Oberlin and actually nobody did it was mm-hmm. literally that poster there's mm-hmm. a globe mm-hmm. it's a super famous poster and it's still everywhere even though now they use different posters for mm-hmm. Oberlin but it's uh, the black space the black sky and it's a picture of the earth uh-huh. you know a photograph and it says think one person can change the world mm-hmm. question mark so do we all it says huh 
And, and honest, that was enough. I bought it. Yeah. I did. I was like, what is this place? And that, and then I'm like, oh, wait, it's a conservatory. Oh, wait, it's a liberal arts school. Oh, wait, it's super progressive. Yeah. Okay, that sounds like me. Yeah, what's the controversy going on there right now? It's something, uh, hmm. It's uh, is it about uh, feminism or some, what's this, some big hullabaloo going on? Yeah, there's something going on. There's a professor who is making statements that sound like conspiracy theory statements. Uh-huh. But she's defending them as free speech. And the thing People is that... People confuse free speech with carte blanche. In other words, like you, I think everybody, that happens you have a lot at the university. Yeah, you have free speech, but we, uh, everybody else, also has the right to say something about what you have to say. I mean, so people are saying, "Oh my gosh, is she mentally ill?" And and I mean, I, I have a friend who's a professor there right now. I'm actually going there in a week and a half to give her recital. You are? Yeah, yeah. My uh, the guitarist friend. Really? Yeah. What are you singing? Uh, we're singing. Well, actually, he we played music when we were at Oberlin together, yeah. and he. Um, He's actually got such a nice lyrical singing line to his guitar playing. Huh. That's always been the case. And what are so you doing, Defia, that kind of stuff? What are you? Um, we played Defia back in the day. Yeah. So since then, he went to Argentina uh-huh. for like a good number of years. Uh-huh. He actually did his, he did two doctorates at UCLA wow. in musicology and ethnomusicology. Huh. And then Oberlin was his first appointment after he completed all that. And he, speaking of Santa Monica, he started the Santa Monica Youth Symphony. Sure. He, he started it. So Wow. Yeah, he co-founded it. So um, anyway, but so it's going to be, we just had this, we had to make a poster because like that's what you do and you have programs. It's so funny because I've been sitting here, I designed this poster and, you know, of course using like whatever poster apps we have. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not a designer, right? Yeah. And so... Um, it's just so interesting being a musician you're used to like communicating and expressing in sound and then all of a sudden you have to think of a Something title graphic, for your program yeah, yeah. well also just the title for the program yeah it's like we know what the program is going to be all about but it's um is it thematic is the whole program yeah it's it thematic is. but like in this really um kind of ethereal way mm-hmm. i mean it starts with like a dowlin campion set so it's like super early Mm -hmm. it's like yearning it's melancholy Mm -hmm. it's internal Mm -hmm. you know all of that sure and then there's going to be uh there's uh stension by by schubert sure arranged like an original arrangement for guitar wow yeah and which as you can imagine is going to sound beautiful absolutely on guitar right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's going to be super low for me though i'm going to sing it much lower than because for guitar keys matter hmm, much okay. more like like the song sounds can only be played in certain keys and of course you can do like the capo which is like the transposer yeah and of course i've like just learning about all this so it's kind of a collaborative process okay. too and then uh i have a f- composer friend who's uh took a neruda text and nice. he knew we were playing with like the serenade and like the lullaby themes and he wrote something uh his name's luke he's actually master master Carell. So, oh yeah, Luke Kleiner. Nice. He's really nice. So, and he's and a he great wrote composer. something for this recital. Yes, yes. We wow. just we just got it yesterday. Are you so. re- are you, rec- you going to record it? I think so. I, I think I that's so. the next step. We need to get Julius back to LA, but that is the next step mm-hmm. after this. And then the whole second half is collected Argentine 
Argentine folk songs from his travels there. Wow. Tangos, like, and uh, it's really beautiful poetry. A lot of it's super symbolic. Like, are you doing like any like coplayos where you sing, where you sing, uh, you improvise a couplet and then he plays something on the guitar in oh response? Oh my gosh. That kind of thing? I wish. Yeah, I that, wish. Yeah. Oh gosh, I don't think I've never done that, yeah. so I don't think that's gonna happen this time. Mm -hmm. But that could happen down the road. I'm not uh -huh. sure. Yeah, so it's gonna be a really good program. But so we were like, so what is the how do how does all that fit together? We like well, we know it's folk based. We know that it's um, so basically it's called uh, and it had it had to be a word that works in both English and Spanish. Uh -huh. So just throwing that at you, does anything pop out like uh, like taco? No. <laughs> yeah, it's the, the taco for guitar and voice. What is it? It's uh, we went with nostalgias. Oh, that's nice. So, it has that that layered sense, I guess. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It's and also I think there's just something about guitar and voice that it changes how you listen. Uh huh. You know, like sure. I mean, like the way we listen to solo voice is sure. different from how we listen to like duet. It's different from how we listen to duet plus piano. Sure. It's different from a string quartet, obviously an orchestra. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think there's just something so salon-like about, mm -hmm. I mean, the guitar is such a quiet instrument. Yeah, it's very intimate. It's so, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so there's just something so, it pulls you in. That sounds great. Yeah. So it's right, do you have really to fun. pay, do you have to pay your own way or are they paying for you? Um, it's a, it's, there's just some, there's some grant money and there's some, there's some wheeling and dealing. But As yeah. a singer, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Who's paying for this? Um, <laughs> you know what, you know what I did pay for huh. is like, we could only, we only got started on this in November. Cause that's when I figured out he was even in Oberlin. Cause I was back there for a reunion concert. Mm -hmm. And so, and so we started Skyping and like planning it out. And then basically we, we hit a wall about Christmas where I was like, um, yeah, rehearsing over Skype, we can't do that. Like, mm. so I need to get out there to rehearse, yeah, you know? Yeah, sure. Yeah, because if you're collaborating with someone, yeah. I don't know, this oh, Skype you, you don't want to do that on the day. No, no, no. And even if I came out like a week prior, yeah. no, you can't, like this has to like sit and percolate and like gel, it's yeah. chamber music. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. So I did pay to go out there in January and we sat and rehearsed for like, like four days and gave a nice. salon yeah we gave a salon concert at oh the end so you're really ready well we're we're gonna be yeah it's gonna get there we should still have like a couple days once i get into town i f i take a red eye of easter sunday oh so like God. that i know it's okay i sleep on the plane yeah you do i can't sleep on a plane to yeah, save my life i just life. power the melatonin and you do just, yeah I think for me, it's the movies. Like, I just want to watch movies because I'm such a movie freak. Right. That I just can't, I can't not watch movies. Which brings us back to our original conversation. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. The, the books. Yeah. Half read. That's right. Did you actually reread the Salinger beginning to end or you left it half read? I kind of skipped the middle part. So I, I read like okay. the first third and the last third. Okay. It's okay. just, it's so, it's so. I, it's it's concise. It's like, yeah. But it's like melodramatic though. It's so It's embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It reminds me I always think I mean I still think like for instance I'm wearing red pants right now. It's like that's my thing. I love my red pants. But then in 10 years am I going to look back at pictures and be like, "Oh fuck, like what was I thinking? That looks <laughs> terrible." You've been wearing those red pants for many years and I they have. always look good. Oh, isn't that sweet? But you it's know, good. I still think about the things that I wear and the things that I say and the things that I think. 
Because I remember uh, transitioning from I think being about a young adult. I think the things you say, too. <laughs> <laughs> you said a couple things to me, Omar. Yeah, I know. I'm really mouthy that way. One time I told you when I was real pregnant. Oh, God. You're not going to tell the story. There's a few stories oh. that start that way. Oh, shit. Oh, no, it was fine. But I don't know if you know this. I'm sure you know this because, you know, but when people get pregnant. Yeah. They, their dreams change. Huh. Did I didn't know, know that. No. Oh, just the hormones. Okay, sure. Just your, I mean, so yeah. So yeah. some of your dreams are like you're a teenager again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in terms of like the hormonal okay. shift. So but what you happened? Really, you really didn't know that? No, it's fine. Let's, uh, what happened? No, your dreams just get a little crazier sometimes, yeah. basically. Oh, no, anyway, I just had a dream um, and like you were in it and we were like, we were like at some kind of soiree or something and we were playing music and it was all like just, but it was like, again, that heightened experience of like, God, this is the best music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this food is so good and like, and so I saw you, we, I was in, I think we were in Fidelio. I think uh -huh. it was my first opera at yeah. LA Opera actually. And you and I hadn't seen each other since Opera Pacific. Yeah, and, or since Marty's wedding. And yeah. we hadn't, we have, were not even clued into the fact that we were like going to be friends. And have all this stuff in common. And have yeah. all this stuff in common. Yeah. yeah, we were not like that. Even our friends even we have operating. in common. We have a lot in common. I know. We just, yeah. we just kind of like peripherally, yeah, it hadn't all gelled. I thought you were going to tell the story about Marty's wedding. No, 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 not oh that God. story. Oh, no, no, boy. No. No, I just walked into the green room and you're like, hey, Adriana, how are you? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm good. I was like, you know what? I had like this dream last night and you were in it. And, and here we are. And you said something to me that I don't think is podcast appropriate. Oh, it's absolutely podcast appropriate. No, no, what did I say? No. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that story. Well, the one that I, t I, I actually still tell this story about when I <laughs> saw you at Marty's wedding. Right. And, uh, and I found my, I saw my hand in slow motion. It's in the playbook of yeah. the playbook of Omar. Yeah. Just going in slow motion. I couldn't stop it. <laughs> and it was just going to, towards your belly. And there, and suddenly it's, there it is resting on your belly. And I look you in the eye as this internal voice is screaming at me to stop doing everything that I'm doing. I you said, were just oh, had like I a said, congratulations. At the same time, the voice in my head is is screaming at me like, what are you doing? And it turned out that you were pregnant and hadn't even told anybody. Right. That was my bump debut. I could. I, oh, yeah. I really, I really dodged a bullet there. Yeah. And I just looked at you and I said, thank how did, you. Yeah, how did you know? I said, how did you know? I said, I had a dream. No. <laughs> and you like walked away and passed out. Basically. Oh my God. I was. Yeah, I was mortified. I couldn't believe what I was doing. Yeah, you just had like this like Stone Age reaction. Yeah, it was really something. The caveman came out. Yeah, and that set into motion. The nurturing caveman. That set into motion a friendship that is thriving to this day. Absolutely. It was really nice talking to you today. Great talking with you too. I'm really glad you did this. This is really fun. Yeah, Let's super do it fun. again. Definitely, definitely. All right. Thanks, Adriana. Thanks, Omar. <laughs>